are now listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. I'm your host, Kyra, and on today's episode, I have joining me Alicia Goodwin, who owns Lingua Nigra, which is a Black-owned jewelry store that has been in many publications, such as Essence Magazine, and worn by some of your favorite celebrities, including Ava DuVernay and Amanda Seals. And today, she's vibing out with me, and we have so much to talk about. Thank you so much, Alicia for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. You know, I got to represent my Black-owned businesses out here. (laughs) I know. Yeah. No, it's appreciated. It's very much appreciated. Absolutely. So, okay, you're originally from Chicago, right? Yes, I am. So tell me what life was like being raised in the shy. Um, it's, it's a lot, well, it's slower. I mean, I could, to compare to New York where I also lived, um, it it was, it was, it was a nice little upbringing. Um, uh, you know, people are really friendly here. Um, uh, when you go to school, like when you, when you're a kid, um, usually the people you go to school with, we do one first through eighth grade here. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you'll be in high school, like you'll know these people your entire life. Pretty much, you know, like there's there are people who transfer out. Um, so that's always interesting. You know, like I, I'll, I ran into somebody I hadn't seen in maybe 20 years and mm-hmm. I, I knew what he looked like because he looks the same, you know, like, oh, wow, I've known him since he was like four. Um, so that's really interesting. People, people, people like being here. I don't know. It's just it's, it's interesting. It's a different it's a different way of life. It's just a little bit slower. Um, uh, people are really into music, um, really like us culturally rich, uh, very big on house music, um, uh, just dancing in general and cooking. And uh, there are a lot of parks. So yeah, just, just hanging. It was the big thing was like hanging out with my friends and going to the different parks and stuff. And my high school uh, was close to downtown. So I had a pretty unique experience instead of like going to the malls out close to the suburbs we would go to Water Tower Place, which is really a very bougie, fancy mall to go to as a high schooler to hang out. But that's what we would do. Um, so, uh, you know, and go across, go walk around the Gold Coast and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, it was it, it was it was a fun it was a fun experience. <laughs> Yeah, so actually, I have a lot of family out there in Chicago, and I used to go every summer. Oh. I loved it. My uncle was a Cook County Sheriff. He lived on the south side of Chicago, but I used to love just going out there and experiencing the life and going to all the different food places, because there are so many different food places to go to, too, out there. Yeah, there are. But if you're you're a big, um, I don't eat meat, if you're a big meat meat eater, Mm -hmm. it it is the spot for you. Nothing has changed since the 90s about that. That's for sure. Like, uh you will find places there'll be meat and things you didn't think there were meat there was meat in like a salad you know <laughs> so um yeah there there's a lot people people really um love barbecue and jerk, jerk a lot of jerk chicken a lot oh, of jerk yeah. just jerk on everything yeah um, <laughs> and it's very culturally rich out there too like 
I remember, like, I know how you just mentioned that music is really big out there. When I went out there, this is when um, Kanye West was blowing up, when he first blew up. Oh, yeah, yeah. So everybody was bumping his stuff before he went a little crazy. Yeah. And then I know you talked about the dance moves and stuff, like the juking, I guess you guys call it, with the footwork and stuff. Oh, yeah, footwork, yeah. Mm -hmm. That (laughs) was, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, that is such a thing. I wish I could do it. I look insane. I just look like I'm doing, like, an Irish jig. Uh, (laughs) I I really wish I could do it. Oh, my goodness. Because it just looks so magical when people do it. The people who can do it, do it well. Yes, I should say not because not everybody can do it. Case in point. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't catch on either. I was like, I'm going to just stick to the hyphy movement because I'm from the Bay Area. So I'm all that. I'm in a different way. (laughs) Right, right. That's so funny. So, okay, you became interested in your des- in designing around like 11 years old. And I know you said you went to Kennedy King College. My uncle actually did security for Kennedy King College. So shout out to Kennedy King College <laughs> in Chicago. So what exactly brought on your love for designing at such a young age? Um, I was just always creative. My parents really, um, they didn't discourage it, which was nice. Um mm-hmm. And I think my, my sister, I have an older sister, but uh, I, she was already, she, I think she was, she was out of the house by that, by the time I was 11. So I played by myself a lot. Um, and I was just, I was just exploring things and I wanted to wear different things. And I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. And then I went to, I yeah, went to summer camp at Kennedy King um, and learned how to make jewelry. And I just loved it. But then I really did think I was going to be a fashion designer. So um, I don't know, just, just like, it, it's, I just felt like it was, I guess, cool to um, make, just make things and know that you can make something with your hands. Because at the time, my dad worked at a pillow factory, um, uh, first down, that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they made down pillows mm-hmm. um, and, and like near, like no near, near, near Pilsen in a factory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he would bring back fabric because he was a supervisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the factory and I would just staple it together. I had an automatic stapler, staple it together. And um, yeah, it was just really cool to see things. Um, just have that uh, hand work and make things. I, I, you know, I think that I like, I definitely like the before and after um, and knowing the consequences of it. Some good, some bad, but uh, all, all, all together, the consequences of doing something that is for sure. Um, so that's a little rebellious because that could go across the board with things, you know, like, Oh, what if I did this, what would happen? And sometimes not good things happen, but when it comes <laughs> to creating, you know, Oh, this is really cool. And I get to make this and, you know, seeing people on television and seeing what they had to wear or were able to wear. I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted to do that too, but I'm 11. I'm not going to go shopping. Like I can't, I can't shop, you know? So I just made it up in my head and then I made it or the same, the same with jewelry. Um, Yeah. So the first things were out of clay and out of beads from learning from summer camp. Um, Yeah. And then I was drawing for people when I was a little bit older. Uh, Yeah. I really thought I was going to be a fashion designer. I really did. (laughs) That was not in the cards. You still design fashion, though. Jewelry is... I do. I do. There's no... I mean, I went and I I still collect... Um, I still collect fabric. I, like, it is going out of style. I still collect fabric. Like, I'm going to have time to sit down and make outfits. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, you learn... Jewelry is so forgiving, and I don't think people realize that. You know, you can buy... Um, you can buy a silver, you can spend $800 on the tiniest piece of gold 
make something. If you don't like it, you can melt it down. And it, it sucks because if, if you don't like it, obviously that's your time. But really it's just your time. Like the materials don't go away, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with, with fashion, you make that cut, it's game over. Yeah. You make that cut in that fabric, you spend $800 on some fabric, which a lot of us have done. And, you know, you sew it wrong or you, you sew it too many times and it gets snagged and this it just gets smaller and smaller and turns to a scarf or a handkerchief, you know, something that should have been a coat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the same. It's not the same with jewelry. And I, I really appreciated that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I was being clever with myself uh, with that that kind of approach. Um, like, oh, okay. You know, I had limit, super limited means mm-hmm. when it came to that when I first started um, in college, but um, it worked out. So, mm-hmm. and you know what? The beautiful thing about jewelry is, aside from you being able to like melt it down and make other creations out of it and designs, is that jewelry never goes out of style. No, it no. doesn't. It doesn't. And things ebb and flow. I worked at a hosiery company right before the, well, I guess the recession of 2000, like late 2001. And um, they were saying, you know, the first, that was, <laughs> my first day was September 9th, 2001. It was in the Empire State Building. Um, uh, they were saying like during the recession, people don't have any money or don't want to spend money on clothes. They'll spend money on accessories and jewelry. Mm-hmm. And I really took that to heart because you can really change up a basic outfit with a pendant or, you know, some really cool earrings and just change, really change it for a, make it something totally different in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I'm still in fashion. It's just a different, it's definitely different. It wasn't so fashion E. Um, when, when I was in school, I never, I definitely didn't, you know, apply. I mean, even though I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology, mm-hmm. but, um, I, I didn't, I didn't think of it like that, but you know, it is, it's, it's still in the fashion realm. Yeah, definitely. And then it's like, if you ever get on hard times, you can always pawn on your jewelry and get some money off of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Days or months. You know what I'm saying? Buy yeah. it whatever. So. Yeah, no, it's very, no, you're very right. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, I probably pawned a couple of things in my life. So. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> so the name Lingua Nigra, it is a very beautiful and unique name. And I know the meaning of the name is means black. Tongue. So what actually was the inspiration behind the name of your company? Um, around 2003-ish, I was working for this woman who had a line and she named it, it was, I think it was Sanskrit. It was either Sanskrit or Hindi. And I forgot, it, mean, it meant like a, a dance and elation. Uh, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool, the brand, the particular name. Mm-hmm. And um it got me to thinking because I, I, you know, I went, I knew I wanted to make my own jewelry. I knew I always wanted to work for myself and I was making jewelry on the side for people after I was working for her. And I, I just didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I was thinking like, Ooh, hardware, Ooh, you know, like kind of, kind of not really there yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I was on the bus going home and I had this book that I got from the library and it was a book about, rare medical diseases mm-hmm. and a donut. I mean, this is the stuff I read. Like I was reading <laughs> this for leisure because uh-huh. it was so cool. And I came upon this really, but it was like, this is phenomenal. 
this phenomenon called lingua velosa nigra. Mm-hmm. And I was like, lingua nigra. And I went to this before I had a computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so broke. Oh my goodness, I was so broke. I would go to the library and go to the computer and I looked it up, the images, and it's pre-cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone then. Um, uh, and uh, I, I was like, oh, this is really gross. But the name just looks so beautiful. And I'm sure nobody else has it. You know, let me look and see what, 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 where else I could get, the, you know, like I, I went and got the domain, I think, um, like a few months later, bought the domain and uh, put it, put that on my Etsy shop and it just stuck. It was weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of a conversation starter. If people don't remember Lingua Nigra, they might remember Black Tongue, mm-hmm. you know, so that might come up. Um, it's really funny now if you put in Lingua Nigra, that's like myself as the first, but it that took forever. Yeah, that was not the case. I mean, I don't know if that's good if people trying to find diagnosis and they see my jewelry instead of like a black tongue. <laughs> but um, you know, you uh, yeah, that was <laughs> right, right, right. They're like, oh, forget that, my tongue is black. But let me go and shop for some jewelry. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that was that. That's pretty much what happened, and it kind of it re- it just really went well because I really love like Victorian jewelry, and that's really like kind of um, mysterious and like dark romantic way Mm -hmm. um so it just it just all it all came together really well and I I have no regrets I mean I was I was definitely advised by a few people to change it Mm -hmm. um but I think people were really uncomfortable with saying Nigra um (laughs) but they just didn't say that you know like you need to change it just you can keep lingua and I was like tongue it's just gonna be that doesn't make any sense yeah so um I'm happy I'm happy I kept it and stuck with it I like the name, actually. Hence, like, even re- besides the meaning of the actual name, I really like it because, like I said, it's beautiful, unique, and then no one can bite your stuff. You know what I'm saying? No, not at all. Not at all. And there are a few other, there's, um, like, Lingua Franca, uh, you know, like, there are a few people who use Latin, and I love that, too, um, even though English is Germanic. Uh, so, uh, but people who um, who took, I didn't take Latin in high school, but, mm-hmm. you know, who took Latin uh, realized like they 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 see that and they're like oh that's really cool mm-hmm. so um yeah yeah it's just it's it's one of those it's just it's weird but I, yeah I do love it so it works. yeah no nobody can bite it you're right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to FIT the Fashion Institute in New York City for design and you graduated in uh, 2003 so what made you decide to design jewelry instead of clothes so I I went to FIT and I I graduated with a degree. Okay, so FIT is a community college. It, even though they still they have now they built up. Uh, they have you can get undergrad, post grad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they you can still go there for a two year degree, which mm-hmm. is great. Which is an associate's degree. So how they have a structure? I don't know if they. I think they still have it this way. You can do a two-year degree and then you have to apply for upper division, which is a four-year degree, which would be a bachelor's. Mm-hmm. And I was, I went to school for fashion. I went to FIT for fashion. I got my two-year degree. And that whole time I wasn't feeling it. Like every turn, step, um, the teachers favored certain people over people. I mean, I wasn't like a star student. But I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say that. But I just realized I, I interned at... Um, at uh oh goodness richard tyler who i don't think is in business anymore he had beautiful stuff this australian designer mm-hmm. his staff they were horrendous they were the worst people on the face they were horrible people and i realized first of all i was like that was the only time i worked for free and mm-hmm. I, that's why i don't believe in internships where the 
you're not getting money <laughs> because uh, it's just, the people take advantage. And that's what it was. It was free help. I'm not, what am I going to do with this on my resume? You're not going to give me a job. You're going to want me to work for free some more. I did it once. That woman kept on calling me back. It was, when I tell you, it was, it was, he was lovely, but he's probably lovely because his staff was like horrible. It was just too, it was just so much. I just didn't like it. And then I realized I, I was going around looking for really low paying jobs. And I realized I wasn't going to get, I wasn't going to get a job. People were telling me my, my stuff was too ethnic. And this is for basic, basic office stuff. Like, you I would, you, I don't know. It just, what was out there was just not, it wasn't, it wasn't doing, you know, and I'm already like, okay, I see my friends kind of struggling and none of my friends who are in the same class as me have jobs. So let me think of something else. Um, and so I just, I, the, across the hall was the jewelry department at the time it was really small. Um, and I just applied, I talked to the Dean of the department interviewed. I had nothing in my portfolio. I had no jewelry. Mm-hmm. I did not, I don't, I, I, you know, I didn't show the stuff from when I was 11. Um, but I got accepted and, um, that was a one year program, which is four semesters and two. Um, it was insane. You're not supposed to work. Uh, I did, I had, three jobs. I had two jobs and then I had three jobs very shortly. And then I went back to two, then I went back, then I went to zero. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, it was, it was a great experience. All that to say, that's what made me get into jewelry. And once I graduated, I was really hard set. Okay. I really busted my butt to graduate. I mean, I was like a 1.9 student because I had two jobs. You really weren't supposed to. Um, but, uh, I, I said, okay, I did all this, I'm going to try to get a job in jewelry. I don't know what that means. So yeah, I worked on 47th street very briefly. It was not for me. I'm not a morning person. I'm not about to show up at work at seven. Um, not, it's not happening. And then I didn't want to make fancy ring. I don't know the pressure. It was because it has to be exact. I am not, if you've seen the website, if you've seen the stuff, I am not Miss Precision. I will try my best, but there's going to be something in the hand of working. And I realized also there, and there are people who do it, and I, I respect them fully. I have so many favorites who make beautiful jewelry that looks like it's made by a computer or machine. But, I mean, my favorite work is made from 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 years ago, you know, um, without a machine. And there is a little bit of, like, you could tell a human being made it. Um, so 47th Street, which is the Diamond District, if people don't know, um, was not, that was not it. It was, that was not, that was not, that was not the move. Um, and then I, I, I looked in like women's wear daily or the FIT job board and, um, found a job listing for Philip. He didn't, he didn't post who he was, but Philip Crangy, who's still around, who is an incredible jeweler. Um, and I worked for him very briefly, (laughs) um, and, uh, learned a lot. Um, and, and that was such a, that was a super intimate setting, um, and then I worked for this woman for a year and a half out of her home in Clinton Hill in Brooklyn, um, mm-hmm. making her jewelry. And I learned, I learned, she didn't pay me hardly anything. It was almost, it was almost indentured servitude. It was oh, very close. Wow. It was, it was very close to that, but yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I learned a lot about the business. I learned, I just, yeah, she was good with what she made. Well, what I made for her, but, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people think that things happen so quickly and so easily. And I think that's what she wanted. Like she had a showroom and she really thought she was going to make all this money. And it sucks because she could have in a different platform. She was right at the right time. Like when the internet was super, 
still super still kind of super new it wasn't flooded with so many jewelers um so yeah that's 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 what made me really focus and like okay i can do this you know it's a small industry and then from there i worked for a few other small independent jewelers and then i went on the other side to costume jewelry working in offices and drawing on the computer and going to china and just doing the mass produced more mass produced work but still seeing what needed to be made and that's how i found my caster um that's how i found my supply chain um domestic all my stuff is all, everything is made in the u.s mm-hmm. um i found it that way just by making connections um and you know making a lot of friends the jewelry the costume jewelry industry is minute it is so tiny um it is it is super 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 tiny especially if you move around a lot like i did with jobs um so yeah that's 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 what that's why i did it in a nutshell and that's why that's how i stuck to it as well I love that. But you know what? I mean, there's so, so much that goes into ultimately becoming an entrepreneur. So you got to start from somewhere, you know, right. So you were able to gain all that experience, even if you were working for free, which is sadly what a lot of people go through, you know, having to work for free, you know, be indentured servants. as you. Oh, man. Because people will take advantage. And it's not there's sometimes. um, Sorry, I left my oven on. Uh, <laughs> you know fire <laughs> oh goodness um they're they're um I'm, and I don't want to say that all internships are bad but people always ask me especially when I'm inundated with work why don't I get help and I say I want to pay people so I can't like you know and I'm, I'm very fortunate to have friends who have been like whatever it's fine and I'll pay them in jewelry I really don't I do not believe in free work yeah. um I'm really because I've, I've been so close to like being homeless and like real oh man yeah those are some time and that was I was fully employed you know like I couldn't get a second job um but I'm here with food stamps working 40 hours a week and that that's every I feel like that's the plot that's the the plight of so many people um and I think the only way to get out of that is to not the only way but one of the ways is to pay people a living wage so you know I don't want to be part of that 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 cycle that monster that machine you know like oh you're gonna you're gonna learn you're learning something like at this point like just pay people <laughs> just pay people thank you right just, just pay people so I, I as this comes back to bite me right no I'm kidding right no no uh, court lawsuits they like report this like she said pay no 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 I'm, I'm really good I'll I'll get on people like where's your invoice like let me pay you mm-hmm. um just because I know how it is. I know, I know how it is. So, um, yeah, yeah. Internships. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy because, you know, the, even just the minimum wage that the United States for people pay people in you know, the U S is just like, you can't even live off of that. The minimum wage. No. So it's no. like, I damn sure can work off of, you know, doing an internship. I got bills to pay. I got to live. So it's crazy to me that there's so many places that want you to work for free and it's like well, why do why do I have to get knowledge that way that's why I go to school to get the knowledge in it yeah yeah uh, and I'll and I'll tell people you know after I told them like when I graduated and I was working for all these different people everybody was like why don't you go back to school for business I was like I'm not paying any more money for school like that's done well I mean I ended up doing that but not for business um but I'm no I'm going to get paid to be in someone's business and learn the ins and outs and that's how you know and I mean there's so many successful people 
Bud said it on the Cosby show when I was, this is random. Uh, he, but I don't know if you remember Bud from the Cosby show. I don't. It just, it just happened to be on. It was a little boy and he would always repeat the stuff his older brother said. And he was like, my brother said, it doesn't matter what you do, it's who you know. Mm. And me and my friends were like, oh my, as an adult, we were like, that is so true. Um, so that's how you make connect. You make connections in college too, but it's definitely not the end all be all, mm-hmm. you know, um, getting certified and all that. It's great if you can do it, but it's not the end all be all, especially if you, you have actual talent, <laughs> you know, and you have a drive. Um, those definitely go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, but with, yeah, intern internships are so tricky because it doesn't. It seems to only benefit you know the person getting the free work usually. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with calling me an intern because I'm a lowly underpaid person or fifteen dollars an even fifteen dollars an hour um, person uh, just for that title. Like you're just not going to give me a real title or a job at the end. That's fine, but pay me just just pay. So you know. Just be like, I'm your assistant. At that point, you're pretty much right. So, right, right. Yeah. It's crazy, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you got to definitely have side hustles in order to survive out here, especially if you're trying to run your own business. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do. It's it's true. It's, it's true. Unfortunately, I mean, it, it does. It definitely makes you um, a little bit more smart and um, uh, just just a gritty. I mean, I think, and that's, I think that's the, that's the way of New York. Um, and, and it's not, that's not everybody, you know, and you don't, obviously if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it, but I've noticed the people who are all over, like I was and still am, um, we, we get, we make things happen. You know, we aren't stressed as much or we don't stress as quickly. I should say that where we are stressed. We don't, we don't stress out as quickly. <laughs> Handle it's, it not, well. it's not visible. Right. It's not yeah. visible. <laughs> but you know, the hustler spirit's in you because you're from Chicago and they hustle, they sell everything. So okay. I mean, they gonna make yeah. it. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's a different kind of it's it's a different kind of hustle. It, it's I feel like it's it's definitely more I don't wanna say genuine here in Chicago. It's slower. Mm-hmm. It is slower. I mean, people are about people are about their word in New York, but you know, you have to definitely follow up because I'm that person. I will. I'm persistent mm-hmm. to the point of annoyance. So you know, some people will say, "Oh, you're just annoying me." Like, no, I'm I'm following up. I'm the follow up queen yeah. um, to get certain things done. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicago has a hustle. It's a it's a different. It's a whole it other is. kind of hustle, though. <laughs> Very much so. So your designs are inspired by nature, ancient talesmen in the Victorian era. So what inspires you about these intricate designs? Um, I really love going or discovering in books and going to museums and looking at um ceremonial jewelry or jewelry we don't even know what it was used for it could have been everyday jewelry but all this like this gold jewelry that was you that was worn um in mesoamerica like central america mexico um uh, guatemala um i just i just i just love it i i don't know i just i i can imagine somebody out in the hot ass sun mm-hmm. you know melting all this gold or using beeswax to make to carve these different figures to cast um, and just having this whole like mini factory going and using it for trade or to show social status. Um, and it's just, it's, it, 
jewelry, there are a few, I mean, there are a lot of things. Hair can be symbolic, you know, we can talk without talking. And that's what I love the most, um, especially since there were so many cultures that people didn't speak the same languages, you know, but you could see from afar, oh, that person's from, uh, you know, three days away, or that person's from that hill four days away. Um, so that, I love that about like Mesoamerican jewelry. With Victorian jewelry, it is so trippy. And um, it's so not far removed. It was only the Victorian era ended a little, like 103 years ago, like, like not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, what started it really off, there's always been mourning jewelry uh, and there's jewelry to commemorate of the loss of a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, people have always had it in one way or another, even if it wasn't called mourning jewelry, but the Victorians just took it to a whole other level. I mean, there were so many plagues and stuff like, like now um, mm-hmm. that they had a lot, they had a lot of uh, stock of people to mourn, but you know, they have their hair, the hair jewelry that they have is just incredible. And it's kind of like the name Lingua Nigra. It's not what it seems, mm-hmm. you know, you see this beautiful braid or you'll see it, how they braid it um, into a chain and you think it's just a chain and you're like, oh, that's hair. Oh, that's human hair. Oh, the person died. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a dead person's hair <laughs> or, you know, you, you know, or it's just, it's just really, it's just really beautiful. And, um, I wrote about this somewhere that it stands the test of time. It's so, it's very prolific. If you go to a flea market, you'll see a lot of hair jewelry because it's sentimental. Mm-hmm. It's not something you could take to the pawn shop and melt down. Girl. Somebody's going to keep that, you yeah. know, like you would keep, if you, if you needed several hundred dollars, you're going to go and get pawn off other stuff, like a boyfriend's ring or, you know, partners or ex-partners ring or whatever, but grandma's hair pendant, you're not going to, you're not going to take that to the, you know, like that would be the, if, for me, that would be the last thing I would even think of. That's going to stay with me until I pass away. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think about that and how, just how timeless, <clears throat> just how timeless certain things are, even the things that are, are in the museums. We're only seeing what, maybe a fraction, maybe 5% of what wasn't stolen and melt, melted down, mm-hmm. you know, and sent back to Europe. I always think of that. Um mm-hmm. That, and all this, all there's so there's so much jewelry in in these in all these museums all over the world. But that's all that's the things that they kept, you know that that they did that they didn't melt down. Um, so I yeah, I just think of keepsakes and um, just the roughness of of the work and uh, how I would want my work to look a hundred years from now, or, you know, I don't want, I don't want it to be throwaway. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I was buying things back in the day, H&M had the best jewelry. I haven't, when I was in college, I was shopped there when they first opened um, in New York and I would, Oh my goodness. They had some, Oh, I would get compliments, just really cool little tiny hoops and stuff. Um, and I, you know, I just want something that you wear, uh, you want to wear every single day for, for years, you know, and, and I also want people to know, oh, is that Lingua Nigra? Is that yours? Is that Alicia's? Um, and I get that now, which is really great. So it's cool to hark back to the past. And also another thing with Victorian jewelry, um, it's, it looks to me, it looks timeless. Um, mm-hmm. it, there's nothing, I know it's Victorian era, but you know, to the naked eye or somebody who wouldn't know, they would think it was probably made yesterday. Mm-hmm. And just because it is so, it's just so, it's so trippy. Um, yeah. And then with nature, I'm like surrounded by plants um, and, and just seeing all these, we live 
we're so used to just being around other humans and ourselves that there's all these other little, not little, because we're we're really very small in this world. Um, there are all these other uh, worlds happening, you know, as we sleep while we're awake. Uh, the plants are talking to each other. There are insects all over the place. The, there are birds hanging out with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just, I take it all in, I get overwhelmed and then I go back to my studio and, and really try to make something uh, that equates all that huge, the huge world that is everything. Mm-hmm. Use the sun of nature to inspire your creative and beautiful designs. And I love it. It's <laughs> so unique. <laughs> Thank so you. you're welcome. So you use a lot of gold in your designs as well as silver and brass, but you use especially a lot of gold. So what inspires you about gold and, and why do you use it in a lot of your designs? Um, this is a funny story, but I'm happy it worked out. I was working for that particular woman and mm-hmm. I don't know why she had a sales rep and a sales rep was insane. I've actually still talked to this woman. Um, <laughs> I would see her at trade shows and this is 20, almost 20 years ago. Um, and she, I guess my boss at the time was late for, uh, an order and the sales rep was like, you have to do this. Oh my goodness. You cannot be late. If you do this on time, I'll, get an order for Alicia. I don't know why I was even, I was her assistant. I, I don't know how I got into the equation of this. Uh, I'm not a part of this at all. Anyway, she made, she placed an order. She's a sales rep for a lot of Japanese stores. She placed an order for a Japanese store. And this was at the, the, at the time I cast my work now, but I was making everything by hand back then. So everything that you saw in a line sheet, which was just, it's just a show of like everything I have for sale, wholesale. Um, all that would have been made by hand. In brass is before I plated anything. So she placed the really, it was an okay order. It wasn't like humongous. It was big for me. It was probably like a thousand dollars. Maybe not, maybe 500. I don't know. I was so broke. Um, I made the order and at the, I was reticulating, which means uh, you separate the alloys. Um, I was reticulating brass. That takes a long time to do. And then I was cutting out all these pieces and I packed it up and I gave it to the sales rep and then she gave it to the buyer at the store and they returned it mm-hmm. and she was like yeah she said that the you know it didn't look like the picture everything's different colors mm-hmm. and I was like it's one every single thing you I made was one of a kind even though it's the same style it's gonna look it's gonna look different I'm so happy I don't have to deal with this now like people understand <laughs> right um she was like the colors are all different and with reticulation and the brass like I it was so I was like, you know, what? I'm going to plate everything. I'm going to plate everything. I won't have to deal with the colors because uh, and with brass, the color would change over time anyway. And if people aren't educated on that, they, you know, this is cheap. This is da-da-da-da when you just have to, it's a different school of thought. Like you have to know that not everything is going to be, con- we are consistent, like our skin changes, our, you know, our clothes, they change color. Metal's going to change color over time. So um, that's, that's pretty, that was like the non-romantic way. Uh, I, I didn't even know I went to the plater, um, on, uh, they're not there anymore. Dan Kane, um, mm-hmm. right near FIT and just asked, uh, Susie, uh, what, co- I was like, what color should this be? Like, I don't know what, what color I know gold. And she was like, let's do 22 carat. Like, let's do something rich. I was like, okay. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much how it, that's pretty much how it happened. Um, mm-hmm. and then that's kind of been a signature. Sometimes I'll do silver. Sometimes I'll mix things, but people really like that gold. They really like, I kind of can't get away from it. Um, which is nice. And it, it definitely, it, it, 
I feel like it introduces people who wouldn't normally wear a gold colored thing into wearing gold colored jewelry and then introducing them finally, which hopefully will be some of the next steps into uh, 14 and 18 karat gold, um, which is that's hopefully coming up. It's such an investment. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I love gold. I wear gold all of the time and I'm wearing some gold today. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I also just love how gold looks, especially on darker skin tones. Yeah. It just really brings you out and makes you pop. I mean, I know they say diamonds are a girl's best friend, but gold is my damn best friend. Right. Right. (laughs) No, it's so rich. It is. It's such a beautiful, malleable um, metal. Uh, and it's used in like so many things. It's using so many that and platinum. Um, mm-hmm. It's using so many things. It's just it's uh, yeah, I love it. I, it's it's so juicy and it's so juicy and sexy to work with. Oh my god, brass is really hard to work with, but I'm so used to it. I don't think of it as difficult. So mm-hmm. when I get my hands on gold, I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> this is so easy. It's so soft. Oh, it takes two minutes to solder, like a five seconds to solder. Oh. You got the yeah. science down. Right, right, yep. <laughs> so I know the process making of jewelry can be a little tedious, but can you break down a little bit of what your process is for your jewelry? Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> um, usually, if I if I have time, I will start with sketching. And I'll sketch all the time. I have sketches all over all over my apartment, all in the studio, all just drawing. And I'll bring all those together. I'll throw them in a notebook and then I'll say, okay, what do I want to make? Or, or a customer will bring up something and I'll say, oh, okay, let me figure this out. That sounds, that sounds really cool. Um, so I'll sketch that. And then I'll, from that sketch, depending on how dimensional it is, I'll either carve it in wax, which um, back in the day was beeswax. You can still use beeswax. It's a really cool candle place here. Uh, where I do buy beeswax, um, but you can use jeweler's wax, and uh, you can carve it, and or I'll start in metal. It's either it's a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. um, but I'll I usually the wax is a little bit faster, so I'll do that and then I'll cast it. Um, um, I'll cast it, and casting uh, they'll change the wax to um, metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll get that back and they're casters here, but my main casters are in New York and Rhode Island. Um, and I'll, when I get that piece back, I'll, um, probably etch it in acid or I like to kind of do a collage of jewelry. Like a lot of my things aren't just one piece. They're several different components combined together. Mm-hmm. So I'll either solder on like a rod or something like it's never really done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll finish it up. I'll make it as clean as possible, like sand it, like do a whole finish. Then I'll send it to my caster in Rhode Island and he'll make a mold, a rubber mold of it. And then he can make duplicates of that thing. Mm-hmm. And then I bring it out to the world. Um, and I'll, or I'll do one piece and do a pre-order, which since I don't, I'm not doing any shows this year, I've been doing a lot of pre-orders, mm-hmm. which is nice. You know, I think if I, something I think is amazing might not be amazing to the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the people who pay my bills. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to make sure before I spend, right. <laughs> you know, a few hundred dollars in my time, uh, making and developing this, that maybe, you know, people will like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been super helpful. Um, and then, uh, 
as things evolve, if I have popular styles, but sometimes things don't hang right mm-hmm. and they don't bother the customer, but they bother me. And especially as a production jeweler, um, I want to make things like with the least amount of components possible, even though people love stuff with a lot of pieces in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll try to change it up a little bit just to help me out when I'm putting things together. So yeah, then he'll send me the casting pieces. I'll do all the assembly here. And um, that means like soldering if I have to, soldering chains together or jump rings, um, putting ear wires on and then send it back out to my plater in Rhode Island and wait. This time it was a month. I had to wait a month, which is ridiculous. Uh, get that back from them. And then um, then I fulfill orders. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty much the, the whole design. Sometimes when I was really good at it, I would it would take me like a few weeks. But now it takes like a month, months to years. I just don't. I don't have like I don't have time to sit like I'll make something one thing, but then I'm missing a closure, and that's they're like seven things that are missing that I want to throw out to the world, but they're missing like I want to make a special closure, but I haven't had time to do that. So it's just it's just me getting in my head. I'm getting in my own way sometimes, but <laughs> there are people who do better who, who who are much better with you know having a calendar. Yeah. I mean, organization is definitely important when it when it comes to having your own, you know, business, you know. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I mean, the beautiful thing is you're so hands on in the process making of your jewelry. So I know there's a lot of passion behind it. But would you ever consider having it on like a larger scale where maybe it's like mass produced or something like that? Or you just like to keep it simple and sweet and just Um, when it comes to making it? I, since I've been on that side, I don't want, I mean, I, I love when people have my work. I really do. And I would love everybody to have it. Um, but there is a special kind of like uniqueness and uh, special just quality of not everybody having it. And, and not in a bad way, because I, I, I'm such a fan of like making limited edition things. And I wish I could just do that. Just like 50 of, you know, this thing and you're never going to get it again. Um, just to kind of make things collector's items. So um, I'm envisioning, once I get a bigger space, uh, to um, uh, have just a few, just a few, like a small group of people um, helping me out and working, but not not anything like I don't want some gigantic unless it's domestic. It would have to be all under one roof. I mean, I love uh, Vera, who was a, a scarf designer in the 60s and 70s. She was she was not a scarf. She was a textile designer. She had this amazing factory in New Jersey and she licensed out all her stuff like that. That's what I envision when I see, you know, a bigger um direction for the brand uh, but nothing you know nothing too nothing too crazy I've been there and done that and I didn't I just didn't like it it seemed really impersonal um so yeah that's 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 kind of where I want to go but I like that though I like that a lot of your designs are made in the U.S. because we learned during the pandemic that we were short a lot of stuff yeah. <laughs> our stuff and getting it made in China and New Mexico or Mexico rather, excuse me, and so many other countries where it's like, well, what do we have now? Now that we're yeah. in a whole big situation, it's like we don't even got masks and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, you don't know until that was that was the big 
that was a huge that was a huge plus like oh my goodness i got so busy and my caster was like is this a real order you know like uh yeah i already sold this stuff so you gotta make it so i can make it so i can plate it because uh it's already sold you know i wasn't i wasn't passing up those dollars Mm -hmm. so um yeah yeah it definitely that definitely helps um having like a small kind of a small domestic operation Mm-hmm. I love that. So you make so many different types of designs from hair pieces, I know you said, to body jewelry, rings, necklaces. But you also mentioned earlier that you make mourning pieces uh, for people's loved ones who have passed on. So what inspired you to want to make those kinds of designs? Because that's very unique, too. I don't see a lot of designers creating stuff like that, but I love that. Yeah, um, I have always, because I'm, I'm so drawn to Victorian jewelry, and I don't know if you know, familiar with like why Victorian jewelry came about. Mm-hmm. Um, Queen Victoria of England, um, she was married to her cousin, uh, mm-hmm. Prince Albert, and they were so in love. They had a whole bunch of children. I think 12? They had a lot of kids. Um, but he passed not not that long after. I mean, they were together for a minute. This is the worst history lesson ever. Um, they were together for a minute, then he died, and she went, she told the, she told the entire country that they were in a state of mourning for a year. She mm-hmm. went into mourning until she she stayed in mourning until she died. That meant wearing all black. So mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people during the Victorian era were so the whole nation was in mourning for this dude for a year wearing all black. And then, you know, you could go about your day, but then people kind of uh, did that. Um, when their loved ones passed away, they went into mourning and did the same thing. Hence the mourning jewelry. She would keep um, uh, just different kinds of jewelry. And that's, that's kind of what catapulted the hair and, and, you know, people were losing people left and right. All that to say, um, I've always loved urns and wanted like a smaller version, um, something really wearable. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I have, oh, I don't have anything around my neck, but I have like my cat's claws. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked him to take when he passed away. I asked him, to, could I have his claws? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they gave me his claws and his whiskers. Um, mm-hmm. So I made a whole, like some charms from his claws. Um, it's just sentimental. And, you know, it's something, there. there's urn, there are urns, wearable urns out there, but they're ugly. Um, so <laughs> I just wanted to make something that was a little bit more designed. You know, um, it is a process. I've, I, I haven't done that many. It also gives me horrible anxiety. So I'm kind of happy that I, I don't really advertise it as much as I probably should, mm-hmm. um, considering the work that I did to do it, to get into it. But um, uh, it's, it's such a... I really appreciate that somebody, you know, when somebody can uh, use me uh, or uh, they chose me to, uh, you know, do this thing with their with their loved ones cremains and put them in a vessel for them. You know, uh, I don't I don't take it lightly. <laughs> which is which is beautiful you know and like you said i mean there there's people that are doing it but it's not really something that's on a larger scale it's on a pretty smaller scale but yeah, yeah. that's so unique about lingua nigra and why it is so special especially being a black owned business is that i feel like even in a state of mourning it's like people are so depressed and they're sad and which is understandable because it's a loved one that has passed on but also we don't realize that we can celebrate them in other ways, like wearing a beautiful necklace that you make around our neck, you know, to have us commemorate them and remember them for years on, you know? Yeah. So yeah. They don't have yeah. to be gone in vain. So yeah, no, they don't, they don't, you know, and it's just, you know, the, yeah, their memory just lives on. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. So Libra Nigra has been around for about, what, 19 years now? Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. So I know the process has been very long, and I know there's a lot of ups and downs when it comes to owning your own business. So what was the process like for you starting Lingua Nigra, and what are some pros and cons of being a business owner for you? Um, I started, it was cool to work for somebody else and see what she did and what I wouldn't be doing. You know, like, uh, she did trade shows that were really expensive. Um, but she didn't really have a name. I mean, I don't guess you don't need a name to do trade shows, but that's, I mean, that'll cost, they'll run you like three, three to $9,000 and upwards, right. For like a three day show where you might not make that money back. You, and she didn't, she didn't. Um, so that I knew, but uh, I started uh, somebody, I was sneaking into schools after I graduated and I was still using the benches and stuff. And uh, one of the assistants told me to go on Etsy and it's like 2004. Oh no, I'm sorry, 2006. And so the next year I joined, I was like, what is this? You know, I didn't know really what it was. Um, and at that time I, I had a computer so I could upload all this stuff. I was scanning, I was scanning my images. And uh, so that was the easiest way. And I'll always tell people to go, you know, people complain about fees and stuff, but there's so much you're not doing that it's okay. Like don't, it's not a money grab at first, you know, um, you have to think about they're bringing an audience, um, just all these things. And then once you're established, you can do your own website. I think that's where my, my, the woman I was working for kind of miss misstepped because she could have gone on Etsy, but she had her own website, but she didn't have any traffic driving to it at all. Um, so yeah, that I did that. That was like, that was like one of the, I guess, easy steps. And then I did shows. I was in person a lot. Um, I was part of an Etsy team, a New York Etsy street team, um, which was really great because you got to talk shop with people who cared. Uh, a lot of people don't like your friends don't care. Not in a bad way. Your friends just don't care. Um, not, they don't, you know, they don't know what you do. Like, you yeah. know, like, oh, you're doing that little thing, you know, or they don't think you make any money, which is, it's fine. It, like we've been oddly, uh, the nine to five work week, all this like office stuff is still new, but it's been so ingrained that people who work independently are, are looked at very differently. Yes. Um, so when you meet a, a group of people who are in the same mindset as you and like really want to work on the weekends, like I've worked, I worked at one place, uh, uh, it's called Roxanne Sula now, but Lee Angel, I worked there nine to five, 40 hours during the week. I worked at American Apparel on the weekends. And then anytime in between, I was making my jewelry. I was going to shows and I was working more than seven days a week, every week, really. Um, so I was doing um, shows like Renegade. There was Bus Craftacular. Um, it's more, it's, it's really about getting out there. Now it's a lot easier. I mean, it is, it isn't, isn't a lot easier because there's Instagram. There was no Instagram when I was starting. Um, and, um, you know, we just had like Facebook invites. Uh, it's really about being visible. And I know a lot of people get scared, like, oh, what if my stuff gets stolen? Copyright your stuff. I'll say that. Number one, copyright your things. I'm going through something right now where I have to retroactively do it. And it's not cheap. I have to get a lawyer. Um but copyright, there's, I think it's a hundred dollars if you, or eighty dollars if you do like a hundred different designs that aren't published. That's where they get you. When they are published, it's forty five dollars each, um, and the price is going. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so just, just 
do that. And and it doesn't, you know, people think that you can just post it online and it's copywritten. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish to say that it was, but it's so much, it's just do that. Please just copyright your work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you don't want to get a friend who can help you pay them, uh, get a friend who can help you if you seem overwhelmed or just make a day of it. Um, but the pluses about uh, having a business. Oh my goodness. I guess to do what I want. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Freedom, so that, baby. Freedom. I know, that is a minus though. <laughs> that is a huge minus. Um, I, I do have I, the thing. It looks like I have a lot of free time. I don't, mm-hmm. um, I love to procrastinate. So mm-hmm. I will, um, do things other I'm productive at procrastinating I'll do I like pot plants instead of doing real work yeah that that comes to bite me in the butt but you know you do have to be for me to do what I want I I, I'm I feel like I'm more established now from a lot of years of like really like being scrappy and hustling um that's all but yeah that's also a minus if you are not disciplined um I have monthly goals I was in I was in retail and when you're in retail they come up to you with that note note that clipboard and they're like okay today is Saturday we have to make you see our monthly goal is $95,000 Saturday we need to make $10,000 okay this is what you need you know I don't know if you've done retail and they've come up to you with the board I mean the clipboard like this is they'll do it quietly because their customers are like this is what you need to make $8,000. Like, what? You know, and so you're pushing sales. That's all you're doing. Um, So I do that. I don't, I don't push sales on people hard, but um, uh, that is, so yeah, the minus is like, you have to work like you're your own boss. You're, you do what you want, but you're working for other, you're working for a lot more other people. Like you think you're your own boss, but these customers are your boss. You know, where's my order? Like, oh, it's coming right away. It's coming, you know, like you can't like, mind your business. It'll come when it comes. You can't tell people that. Yeah. Um, They want to know, they want to be involved. Um, The plus is being a, but, I want to say being available, but I like sharing. So I also like interacting with the customer and that helps. I feel like all the pluses are minuses, but I have really great customers. So I really, I can't, thankfully I can't, um, that's not, that's never a minus. I really love interacting with people in person. Um, the minus I with that will be doing markets and shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been taking so I've been really loving not doing shows. I do miss the money, but it's such a crapshoot. I mean, I've done shows where I made more money online. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm just hearing cha-ching on my phone. What? I didn't need to fly across <laughs> the United States for this at all. Like, this is uh, a lot. And it's a lot of stuff. And I do it alone a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends will come if I stay with them or depending on what state, they'll come and help me out. But it's not the same. And nobody's coming to see your friend. They want to see you and your work. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a lot of long hours. Um, tr- I'm trying to be smarter, work smarter, and not harder. Um, and that, with that being said, like using elements instead of an entire designed piece, mm-hmm. um, uh, and just adding a chain or something. Um, there are people who do it really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not. It's definitely not for everybody because it's not a steady. It's not a steady check. Well, I'm salary now from with my company, so I do get a steady check. But now that's different because I used to just dip and dive in my my business account whenever. Like, oh, I need three hundred dollars. Let me just withdraw. No, boo, you can't do that because you're salary now. But now I have to think. Oh, there's a certain amount of money being taken out of my account, whether I make a sale or not. 
this can't dip below a certain amount. Oh my goodness. Like, oh my goodness. I have to really make money, you know, whereas before it was, it wasn't as, as stressful as it is, as it is now, but, um, it's fine. The money comes when I need it. I have to think about that. Um, so yeah, it's not for those who stress. Don't think of it as something I don't, it's hard because I don't have like a fallback plan. There's no such thing. There's never been a fallback plan for me when people are like, oh, it's right, you know, or my side job, or this was going to always be the end result, whether I liked it or not, you know, I mean, I do like it, obviously. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm very happy with it, but yeah, it's just a lot of work and that's a positive and a, and a negative, but I mean, there's so many pluses to being your own there's so many pluses to being your own boss and just being, you listen to you, you can listen to yourself. There's so many jobs I've had where people just didn't. And I was the only person in there with a, a jewelry degree at the jewelry company and nobody listened to it. Okay. That's not going to work. And did it, it didn't work. You know, like, Oh wow. Guess I have to fly to China now because this didn't work. And now I have the factory owner yelling at me because he thinks I made this thing and I didn't. You know, um, I was the one doing the call outs, but nobody wants to listen. Okay. Where you don't know nothing, right? You spend all that time in school, but you still don't know nothing. No, no, <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy those days are behind. Oh, oh goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Like, I'm glad those days are behind me as well. And, you know, like you said, people are so conditioned to work a nine to five these days yeah. that they can't even see life without a steady paycheck working for somebody else. And I get that. If yeah, but someone else, but, you know. I mean, but it, that the thing is, you we're all first. We're one. We're all one. Not all. A lot of us are one paycheck away from being homeless or sure. destitute. Um, you could lose your job tomorrow. Nothing is promised. I, and I've been laid off several times, you know. And I think maybe that made me resilient. But people think that there's a safety net that these jobs don't care. They can let you go with no notice no severance, you know, and you're just out here scrounging around again. So, um, yeah, I think it takes, yeah, it's just the money comes when it just, I know that's hard to say, especially when you have rent and all these other things to pay. But I, when I tell you the times that I've, I had no, I did not have any money and somebody invited me to do a random show somewhere and I did it and it was the exact, like I made the money of my rent. Like I made my rent that the night before I had to pay it, you know, that's what happens. Um, so yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. Say yes, say yes to a lot of stuff that too, that part too, or, but don't say yes to everything. (laughs) (laughs) Things. (laughs) so i know that owning your own business it's a lot of getting the word out there and so forth to get the customers to come in and buy your designs and stuff so what are some of your marketing strategies that you feel are useful when it comes to lingua nigra um oh goodness the best marketing strategy for me is instagram Mm -hmm. um i love it it's so bad i'm on it way too much Mm -hmm. more more than i care to uh, admit when i should be doing work um, I think the, there, there are a lot of free tools, that, but the thing is with the free tools, you're going to be using your time. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have your time, you might want to pay for ads. There's so many YouTube videos about AdWords and ads that I've not gone down. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one in uh, Pinterest is another, I was on Pinterest when it first started and that was 
like gold. And I was also on there too much. I was pre pre Instagram pinning stuff I can't afford, you know, like, oh, I want this dress. And I still I still do it, but I'm not on there so much because now they've gotten smart and like monetized it. Mm-hmm. Um, but people there there's still people who use Pinterest as an advertising tool. Um, mm-hmm. I still have yet to really delve into it. I know I keep on saying I need to do it this year. I keep on saying that. But um that's always a good outlet just to have your own Pinterest page and that people can follow and pin um, your work to their boards and people will, they will find you back in the day, there were bloggers and people on Tumblr who would use it. And that's how I got my sales. People would tell me like, I found this on Pinterest and my husband is going to buy this for me. And then, you know, the husband buys six bangles. I'm like, all right, okay, that's great. You know, where I get a thousand dollar order from, and I know it's from Pinterest because though at the time, that was my only thing um i will say putting your work and yourself out there like that mm-hmm. brings more eyes and not just customers um podcasters mm-hmm. um you know bloggers uh writers people are always looking for material to show to other people um and that's a really good way to do it i'm not gonna it's not over nothing is overnight you know but it, it is the random um, I like, I mean, I don't know how random it really is, but the random aspect of it or the randomness of it, uh, I really like, you know, somebody might see this or somebody's friends, cousins, half cousins, brother, uh, works at a museum and saw somebody repost your thing and now they're interested and that's how it works, honestly. Um, so yeah, having, yeah, yeah. It's just being out there if you want. And some people do really well on Facebook. I'm not really big on Facebook. I like push all my notifications and stuff to Facebook from Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, that is definitely the way. And, but you have to be consistent. It's, whatever you do, you can't post once a year. You can't post. Nobody buys anything. Oh, I hate Instagram. Uh, like it had to come in with a positive attitude and it's work. It's work. It's work. That's, I mean, it's, it, it, but you don't have to make it work. You know, it takes me two seconds to do. Um, I also recommend doing, if you can, if you have a mailing list, it's a little bit harder now. My mailing list is from when people would write down their email list that shows. Um, but I, I do a newsletter. Um, I do exclusive things just for people who are subscribed to the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really do sales. So I'll just offer up stuff to them first before I do it to the general public. You know, there's no fee. It's not a, it's not an exclusive club. It's just a newsletter. All I want is your email. Um, so, and you can, if you know, people can subscribe whenever. Um, I think that's a really good incentive because I, I, and I like, if it's an interesting newsletter, I'll read it front to back, you know, I'll read it word for word. So in my, I'm a soft seller. I definitely don't, I'm, I don't, I feel like the work speaks for itself and I don't have to talk about, hopefully I don't have to talk about it that much unless I'm really excited about it. And I want you to know how I made it and what I made, but I'm not going to be like, okay, you got to buy this a hundred. Okay. $90. Oh, $80. Uh, you know, I'm not going to do that. Um, so with the newsletter, if you do do it, don't make it shop, 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 buy, buy, buy. It's I, to me, I think it's a little tacky. I want to learn about arts. I want to learn about music and that's, I'll do history lessons. I did like a Juneteenth history 
history lesson, which is probably so, uh, so cynical and bitter, but I put it in there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) right, right. Um, I, I did this week. I did, uh, I went down a Betty Carter rabbit hole. So I posted a video of her, um, and I'll do like our local, I tried to try to keep some things local like a lot local artists art exhibits that people might not know about um just and it, I, I, you'll know when to publish things i publish on sunday you know i think people are like chilling out reading on their phone you know something something that they don't have to stress out about um and i love reading other people's newsletters and i'll share um and that's the other thing i'm sorry i did i, I feel like i'm just get going on and on no but. you're good you're good i love hearing all this um knowledge and <laughs> i love that your marketing strategy is so very unique from a lot of other people because yeah it, it's it, i try to keep it organic um every now and then google will reach out or facebook and they'll give you free credit so i'll do that or i'll, I'll read it wrong they'll say 250 free credits $250 free credits when you spent $250. That's what happened last time. I was like, oh man, you got me. I spent $250. Oh, they do. I thought it was $250 free. Um, but another uh another good uh way to get out there versus what did I say? The newsletter, Instagram, um networking. Uh, net yeah, net networking, uh, which for me would be I love to share and I'm always in stories and I'm always fake shopping in my head. Mm-hmm. So I will post, I post any and everything in my stories. That's another like mini newsletter blog. Mm-hmm. I mean, and people will tell me I'm just doing it for myself, but then I get so many messages like your stories are the best. Like I don't even look at anybody else's. I love when you have your stories. It's not, it's not just fluff It's you know, educational. Um, you know, it, it, you don't, I, I, I will touch on all the topics. So, um, and I, you know, I, I, I do encourage people to read. I'm not just reposting stuff, you know, I'll hopefully have looked into it and, and dived a little bit more into it but yeah if you just want to stick to one platform just do it well be consistent i post almost every day at a certain time um yeah but and it's not for everybody you know you can find what works for you um that's for sure uh there are people out there don't be i'll just tell people like it's it is intimidating and we all think every market is oversaturated this and everybody and their mother's doing jewelry everybody and their mother um so just know that there are a lot of people on this planet and you only need so many people to make a profit and it is very doable if some somebody told me i would make a certain amount every month i did not believe them and i do uh you know i was like oh oh wow okay i really am making that um so it it, it set set goals um even if it's low i want to make $400 this month. I want to make $1,000 this month and do it, you know, see how many sales. Yeah. Just, just do it. People, not everybody's going to like the same thing. So diversify and just make sure not everybody sees your posts. It's okay to repost stuff, you know, not over and over, but over and over because people hardly ever go to your website. You know, I didn't know you sold silver. I've had silver before I even had gold plated stuff. So, you know, I didn't know you made silver. And these are friends and family members. Like, have you been on my website? Right. Uh, So, you know, (laughs) just your supporters. (laughs) Right, right. So yeah, just drill it. Sometimes it's good to just drill it in people's heads just to remind them because we have so much going on. Um, Yeah. 
Absolutely. Because sometimes I fall off the ball when it comes to reposting things like I'll post it once and then I need to get more in the habit of like reposting, because like you said, sometimes people could have overlooked that or maybe they're busy with their day and it would come across their feed because there's so many other people's feeds who's coming yep. your feed. So you yep. never really know, you know. Yep. Yep. That exactly. That part. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so don't so- feel bad. Yeah, I yeah, I, I need to start getting in the habit of it. I will. I will. <laughs> so do you think do you feel like people need money in order to start a business? Um, it depends what state. I will say New York is super prohibitive. It is very anti-small business. Um uh, you can you can get started like I started uh, with I, I was a sole proprietor until I moved back to Chicago um, mm-hmm. because it is it's like it's like a it's a buck. It's like a thousand dollars. You have to you can get a lawyer to do it. Isn't you have to it's very antiquated. You have to declare in a newspaper. Um, people can contest it. It's just too much on top of paying once you become incorporated your tax structure changes a little tiny bit. Um, Even though my bookkeeper said that it doesn't, I mean, it's kind of a sole proprietorship. Um, But you have to, you do have to think about these things. Like when you start, when you get um, a tax ID number, you can get, you can purchase things without tax, but you also have to now take sales tax and collect sales tax and then give it to the state. So if you don't, they will shut you down. Um, But it depends on what city what city you're in here it was like I really want to become incorporated and that's it helps just because you're a different structure you're not a sole proprietor if somebody's ear falls off because they wore some earrings and when they want to sue me they'll sue Lingua Nigra or they won't sue Alicia Goodwin mm-hmm. um but that's not that never really happens it just looks more more official even for grants and stuff people are asking for incorporated businesses which kind of sucks because it, it is that's a little cost prohibitive so I will say, look at how much it is with your state. Um, I did it through like uh, Ink File, um, which you could do for free or close to free. It was like $150. Oh, um, it is not much at all to be incorporated. You do have to keep up with it. It's like $50 for the first few years after, and mm-hmm. then you don't have to pay anymore. Uh, but as long as you're up on it, you know, keep a calendar. You do have to pay your taxes uh, either quarterly or yearly. Um but that's the, that's one of those things like that's the cost of doing business, you know, mm-hmm. and if you don't want to grow, if you don't want to do X, Y and Z, then, you, you know, you don't have to. You, you won't be making that much or you'll just have to do a whole bunch of cash only stuff. I don't know how far that'll get with doing e-commerce. Right. Um, so, yeah, it is. It's, it is. It depends. It depends on what you do. Like even with like with cards, I have a card line. Um, uh, it's It was pretty easy, but it was my time of sitting and making the cards of drawing drawing that was a lot of time but once i got my paper samples in you could start like the the minimum for the to get everything printed was so low like five dollars you know like you could start with like five cards Mm -hmm. um so that's how people kind of approach it there's so many different avenues of doing it on the cheap i would say maybe you could start with 500 depending it really depends on what you want to make and what you want to sell um mm-hmm. as a business person um and then it goes up from there uh, but you people start lean people start lean uh don't think that you need a hundred different things you don't need certain labels uh if you're doing like bath and body products or you know people just I don't, i'm not good enough i don't have nobody cares if the product is really good 
we will overlook that, you know, and, and it's great to see an evolution. Mm-hmm. That's what I think people miss. We always see the finished product. Like people come to me like, oh, it looks like da 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 da. I'm like, yeah, but it didn't look like that in the beginning. Well, it kind of did. It kind of <laughs> did. Never mind. It did. It did. Kind of I worked in really great companies, but you know, I still have my screen printed bags. The only thing is my friend does them. I don't sit on my floor and screen print anymore, which is, I don't believe I was doing that. I will screen print hundreds of my jewelry bags. Um, I don't do that. Uh, those days are over. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, you can really start, you can start scrappy and there's so many Facebook groups with small businesses that you can, um, ask around, which is really helpful. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, the, the good thing is, it's like, it, it's about hustling too. Like a lot of people just are like, okay, well, my business isn't making money, but they're not realizing that a lot of businesses don't make money within the first year. It takes years in order sometimes to even make a profit off of your, the things that you're selling. So you have to put that mindset in your brain and just continue to push forward and make, you know, make good products and people will eventually buy it. You know? Yeah. 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 People really think of overnight successor, you know, it's so easy because there's so many people who are successful and it looks like it was, even if you hear this story, like, yeah, I was sleeping in my car. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see <laughs> you're here, man. Like when you like Tyler Perry, who was sleeping in his car, like nobody, we're not thinking about that, dude. You have 85 mansions, you know, exactly. you have a whole studio set. We think, I think about that for like, he was in his car for what eight minutes you know that's what i'm in my mind like oh you were in your car for a half exaggerated for four (laughs) days right and it was probably a lot obviously a lot longer than that but um yeah you just have to it's it's um, it's really about being goal-oriented um that really that really helps uh with like starting small um but yeah don't think that you you need all these bells and whistles people do not care like there are people who care and they want like really nice packaging but don't 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 go too crazy mm-hmm. agreed so i know that you were saying when you first started off you were told that your um designs were a little too ethnic and I know that there's not a lot of black jewelry designers within this industry. So why do you feel like there's not enough representation of black makers within the, the jewelry business? Um, it's racist. The jewelry industry is racist. I the point here. They racist. <laughs> it's racist. It's really, it's clicky. It's really clicky. And I want to say it's anti-black. I don't want to say racist because everybody is in the jewelry industry, but there are no black people. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, and I'm sure, um, people, you know, hire on their family and they'll hire on people from their country, you know, and they won't, and that's, that's pretty much how that's what happens. You know, you'll go to a certain place like a caster and it'll be the cast, the whole caster, my jewelry caster's family and everybody's from the same place. Mm -hmm. Um, so trying to get in is just a no, like they, nobody, they're like, "Mm, no. And they'll definitely hire somebody who is not black, who has no experience over you. Um, I've, I've been in that situation a million times. So I think that's it. And I also think that because they're just these weird certain expectations that uh every black jeweler makes the exact same thing which makes no sense to me or you know that it's african like people would always ask it, it, it would be the simplest design like oh this is africa i know what tribe this is from like what tribe what wow. tribe? you know like this is inspired by nature not to dismiss anybody who does um african like fully african inspired jewelry um but 
if there's a, this expectation that everything has to be something uh, like one holy Afro, like it can't be anything else. It can't be Afrofuturism. It can't be nature. It can't be Victorian jewelry. It has to be that first. Nobody else gets to gets to be put in that pigeonhole, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's that. And I think they also think like we already have one black jewelry designer. We don't, we don't need to showcase another black jewelry designer. She's crazy. Because they're like 85 white and, you know, everybody else jewelry designer all making the same stuff that looks exactly the same. Yeah. They, yeah, they'll just get their, their one person. And if it's not me, then it's another jewelry designer, you know, and they'll just highlight that person. And it's weird. They'll see, they'll see this, but they won't see the work that we make. And it's that it's totally different. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's, I don't, I, I don't know how, to, I mean, that's, I was the only black person in my jewelry class um, at FIT. So, and who graduated, you know, and only one of two people who graduated from that class who did pursue jewelry. Um, we, yeah. It's crazy because we're constantly, you know, pigeonholed into one area, one aspect, like you said, as such as like, everybody thinks that we can only make African artwork and that we're not right. versatile with creations and creating, but African-American people, Black people are the trailblazers for a lot of things within yeah. our society and culture. Yeah. Let's talk about Mansa Munza, who brought, you know, over gold and was handing out gold like it was candy. Let's yeah. talk about the Moors who brought over gold and saffron and so many other things and why, how we wash our asses to this, to this day, you know? I yeah. mean, yeah. so it's crazy that we bring the forks, the knives, the plates, the crumpets, the tea to the table, but they don't even want to give us a spot there. And it's just really sad to see that that's still going on still to this day. And, you know, I've had conversations with people from different cultures. um, And the thing is, is like their their mindset is that black people don't want to achieve anything. They don't want to strive. They don't want to be business owners. And it's like, well, why don't you guys own anything? But they don't realize that we continuously are sabotaging every which way. I mean, we have black Wall Street and look how they did us. You know what I'm saying? They don't want us to have anything. And it's not that Black people don't want to own anything. It's like we're constantly sabotaged. So what are you going to you know yeah Yeah. no I see I mean I see it in so many uh, jewelry interviews you know I see other black designers trying to when I work for other people come in I'm like she's not going she's not going to get the job my my boss isn't going to give her the job she's intimidated you know like there's just so many things like there's room for all of us and I feel like people don't people don't realize that and yeah I, I I hear that I mean I hear that from Caribbean friends have asked like why don't black people you know why they did it I'm like are you serious are you serious there are no programs there are all these things that have been taken away it's systematic like i don't i mean i'm I'm, i see it's been obviously um put in the light finally a lot more than before so you know people kind of understand but then they don't you know and then when we are given little shekels of stuff you know people will cry like oh what about me like what are you talking about we've never gotten this we yeah so yeah it's just it's frustrating it's very much so frustrating. And I mean, like I said, it's it's the world would be very se- unseasoned without us, though. You know, I think about that. Yes, and this no. world is unseasoned. This jewelry world is very unseasoned without African-American people, you know? It is. It is. I mean, that people get so inspired. I mean, just even in the resources, you know, like that's the, that's the other thing that kills me. I'm like the only black that you see is from these bloodstones that are being taken and the, the diamonds and the, the rubies and the malachite and all this other stuff taken from the continent. Um, 
from people who aren't making any money. You know, these people don't make a ton of like that's what always happens um in the gold miners uh and it, they don't see that that luxury side or all these jewelry events um so yeah yeah and people losing their limbs in sierra leone just for these diamonds yeah mm-hmm. in order to fund other people's lifestyles and stuff mm-hmm. you're walking around with them with no people are in the u.s are walking around with these diamonds that people are getting killed for like with no care in the world but yet we're the ones that are lazy and we're not giving anything to the society or the culture or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy that this narrative is just still going on. It's like, when will it ever end? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, growing up in Chicago, did you ever feel like, or did you ever experience any form of racism or anything like that? Um, I mean, I lived in a mostly black and uh, like, uh, um uh, Mexican like indigenous and uh, mixed mixed Mexican uh neighborhood so not really not until I mean my teachers were kind of whack but they I mean and this is like black teachers and white teachers just saying some old like white supremacist stuff you know like <laughs> yeah. just the things that they didn't know because they were older um but you know teachers who just favored uh certain students more um, but uh, I mean, the regular racism, Chicago's super segregated, which is a plus and a minus because you're kind of in this world of just all black people all the time. If you don't happen, you don't need to go downtown or whatever. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I probably experienced as much as, uh, anybody, anybody else, mm-hmm. um, you know, just feeling people's uh, feeling weird tension around people in certain neighborhoods. Um, but yeah, it was just the usual dose of racism. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts about Juneteenth and it actually becoming a national holiday? What are your thoughts about this? It's really weird because it's only a holiday in Texas. So, I didn't understand why. And it's not a celebration. I don't know. I'm so confused. Like, <laughs> I was like, first of all, it should have been a massacre. I would have been uh, I, like Nat Turner Day. Let's make that a day. I know it's not going to happen, mm-hmm. um, but it's not it's not a celebration. Like, I can't imagine working for free more for obviously my whole life. Like, I just think of all the people who died, who were murdered in between that for escaping and not knowing they were actually free. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finding out two years after that they were free. Like, that's not. That's nothing to, I mean, I know it's, you know, we're trying to go on the positive side, but there really isn't, there really isn't any positive, maybe like a reconstruction day, but that sucked too. It was only eight years. So like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's great. I'm happy people know more about it. It's about to be the next Cinco de Mayo already. Um, because it, it's it's going to be sales. I put a whole thing this woman on TikTok did like uh, Juneteenth sale, you know, three fifths off. Like it was hilarious, but not because right. it's going to be, it's, you know, like you we're, we're uh, just like how they did pride. Like it's been so commodified all of a sudden. Um, so yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, I, I, yeah. So that's why I've never celebrated it because I talked about it with a friend. Um, we were like in high school or in college and he's like, it's not a celebration. I was like, you have a point. You do have a point. And so I just thought of it like that, you know? Um, but yeah, of course you can always put a positive spin on anything, but I don't know if this is one of those things, but that's just me. I'm also like cynical Debbie Downer. So <laughs> there's that. 
I mean, I think there's their pros and cons to it because some people would see it as like a step forward in the recognition of, you know, the United States finally acknowledging their wrongdoings of African-Americans for like decades, you know, and I'm saying centuries. But then at the same time, it's like, let's think about the Black Lives Matter movement, how every couple of years we continuously have this movement. And then there's supposedly laws that are getting enacted that are not really being enacted or, or being put to the forefront in Congress. Right. But then no one's really even passing any of these bills. But then you have the Asian America or the Asian community where they're actually getting laws passed for them. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, what about us? You know? Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, it just, it's, to me, I, I, I'm like, I'm, I, I'm, you know, teetering on both sides of the field here when it comes to Yeah, I mean, it's all symbolic, you know, like, I just, I just, uh, yeah. I just, uh. I know. It's such a headache. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on the sentencing of Derek Chauvin in the George Floyd case? Did you feel like he deserved more time? Oh, he, he, I don't even know. It should have just been a firing squad. Like, why are we even having this, this, you know, I, but that's another symbolic, um, yeah, you know, the one bad apple kind of thing that, all right, we're just going to do that and not anything and not anything else. We're not going to reform. We're not gonna, um, you know, defund as, as, as they should. So, um, I don't know. It's, 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 We'll see. I mean, he might. He, yeah. And he's not even he probably won't even serve that whole time. He's not he's not. Um, he doesn't regret anything. He had no regret in his face. So, uh, yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's it's a very sad situation and people don't understand that, you know, being African-American, it's like you're you have a target on your back from the time you're born into this world. And yeah. it's so sad that even when it comes to the police and if you need to make a call, you could end up dead just by, yeah. you know, yeah. the mission where you're defending yourself and, you know, the thing, next thing it escalates and then you're in, you end up dead and it's just crazy. Yeah, no, I always think about that. I definitely think twice if I have to um, do something or uh, I have to d- try to call somebody, you know, I just try to see if the situation like rectifies itself before I even have to try to call 911 because I do not, I don't want to be, uh, I don't, I don't want to be responsible for, you know, somebody's injury or death. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just sad. It's very, it's a very uh, touchy topic, but I feel like it's something that you know, should definitely be discussed because I know there's a lot of white people out there that are just kind of like, oh, you guys are always complaining about this and that and not getting this advantage and that disadvantage and whatever. And it's like, but you don't you don't live in my shoes. Yeah. You yeah. Don't experience the same things that I see and I have to deal with on a daily basis. And this is this is my my struggle. So if you yeah. type away, that's on you. So. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah. So, okay. So since the pandemic and the whole Black Lives Matter movement, I know there was a lot of support for, uh, you know, supporting Black businesses. So do you feel like your business especially has catapulted since this whole Black Lives Matter movement since the pandemic? Um, yeah, we got, well, we, I got really busy, um, right after the murder of George Floyd. Um, it was insane. I was not expecting any of that, any of that to happen. Um, I got really busy. It's died down a lot. I still get steady sales, thankfully. Um, but it's definitely, it's not, it's definitely, I mean, if I could get something a little like in between, um, 
because that was intense, you know, seeing somebody being murdered uh, and then having to fulfill orders and not really having the time to like really process everything was just really a lot. Uh, but then also I knew I was like, uh, I got to get this money. It is uh, uh, it's a pandemic. I'm not doing any shows. Let me let me do as much as I can, you know, possibly do or try to. Um so I'm very fortunate, but, you know, also I'll say it's like bittersweet because somebody was murdered and that's why the business did so well last year. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's still, it's, yeah, business is okay. I'm, I'm still making my goals every month. Um, and it's, it's a little slower, which is nice because I'm, you know, I'm not as stressed, um, and I'm get to focus on new projects and whatnot. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see how things will 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 change once I'm I'm doing things in person again. I'm definitely not going to go back to traveling nonstop. I know that that's for sure. Mm-hmm. No more hustle and bustle. No. no. <laughs> so one thing that I noticed about your designs, and I talk a lot about this on my show, which is metaphysics and spirituality, and a lot of your designs actually seem to have a lot of spiritual depth behind them. So um, what was, the ins- especially your logo uh, with the third eye that I was saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. So would you say that spirituality is an important part to you in Lingua Nigra? Um, yes. I mean, I, I, I'm, I feel I, I am, I am, I am spiritual. I, I'm such a bad practicer of things, though. So I can't say, oh, I do this and that. I don't. Like, I'll meditate in the bed, just like thinking, trying to clear my mind. Um, I have altars up for my ancestors. Um, I, I definitely want the work to be worn in a, uh, with, with uh, thinking of the people before us in mind and um, how you can contribute to the future. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was going to sell crystals. Oh my God, I have so many things oh. on my plate. I have I have so many crystals. It's not even funny. Have I posted any? No, I have not. I have not. Uh, I was like, they all look different. And that means I have to post each one separately. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'll do this never. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I mean, I definitely, people email me all the time and tell me how much like power the jewelry gives them, which is really cool. Um, because, you know, my hands touch each one and I just want, I want, them i want people to have a good feeling when they wear the work and do the work that they need to do so um yeah 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 the third eye is up there um my favorite piece which i don't make i don't think i i can make it um but i i can be a vessel to like resell vintage ones or figas they're monofigas they like look like little fists they um they block out they like pop out the evil eye Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're talismans, they're like ancient talismans for, um, for, for anybody, but for jewelry. And you'll see it all out throughout, throughout the diaspora. They say they're Italian, but that they're African. Mm-hmm. Um, probably from, right. Probably from, I mean, if they're Italian, Italy is so close to Africa and, mm-hmm. you know, with the Moors going to Spain, I'm, I'm sure that's how everything started. Um, and it's considering it's throughout the diaspora, you can find figas in Argentina and Cuba and Puerto Rico, Brazil. Um, but it's just such a beautiful piece. So I would love to have more pieces like that, not make them, but maybe have them, uh, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't get too heavy into it. Like I'll do like small have jewelry with crystals. I'll do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't get like super, super, super into it. Um, but yeah. 
I would love that. I would love the crystals because I carry my crystals too. Um, I have many different ones, protection, money, everything. Yeah. everything. Yeah. So yeah. In line to buy those. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, okay. I know there's been a couple of celebrities that have walked, rocked your designs and I know the BET awards just happened. So who would you want as a celebrity to actually wear some of your designs? Oh no, this is hard. Oh man. Oh, well, okay. Issa Rae, number one. I love her. Mm-hmm. I've loved her since my, when somebody was like, you remind me of this woman. Have you ever watched Awkward Black Girl? And I was like, no. And then I watched it, which is pre-Issa, Ray, baby Issa, um, her her show. It was a, it was my life. So I was like, this is incredible. This is my life. Um, and so it's amazing to see her come up and her destined, like she was destined to be this person about Hollywood, this, this force. It's just... Yeah. She went from like a small YouTube channel, like bootstrap, like super bootstrappy, you know, filming with these random friends, you know, actors and uh, oh, so good. Um, so her for sure. Um, Little Nas X, who I love. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my goodness. I can give him so much. Oh, my goodness. I could do so much. Um goodness who else is on my uh i have a little i have a board of people oh goodness oh what's her name she was from orange is the new black danielle is her name danielle? oh goodness why can't i think of her name oh I I can't think her on that name <laughs> she had she just had a baby she cut all her hair off um was oh, she one of the black actresses yeah there did she play crazy eyes no no she wasn't she uh-huh. she was best friends with a friend who got killed I can't even. Oh, that's can't think of her me. name. Um, uh, the artist Visa Butler, who I've already harassed and asked, mm-hmm. like, "Oh, can I give you some braid jewelry?" Um, next, you know, if you come to Chicago, she's probably mm-hmm. like, "You are crazy." <laughs> um, yeah, so I have I have a short list of people, you know, and sometimes I'll I'll have a feeling like I'll see that person and I'll bring the jewelry with me. Sometimes I've been right, and I've I have seen certain people. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll always have like something on hand be like, I knew I was going to see you today. Heard I can hear. <laughs> uh, right, right, right. It's true. Yeah. So, okay. Um, who are some of your favorite black designers to wear as far as jewelry or even clothes? Oh man. Um, for shoes, I wear one of my girlfriend's, uh, shoes. She's, she's based in Argentina. Uh, she's from, she's from, uh, the DMV area, Zuzu. C-O-U-X-O-U, Zuzu shoes, very cute, mm-hmm. very, very wearable. Um, this bag that I wear all the time, Eye of the Sun by my friend Ogechi. Um, she, I love her leather work and I, I have other little hip bags, but I, her, it's purple and it matches everything. It's kind of wild how much it matches, you know, more than like brown or black. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Who else? Oh my goodness. I'm thinking of clothes. Like, what did I just wear? Black, black on, black on, black on. Um, well, it's I wear a lot of bags. I know it's not the best, but I wear bags when I go to the, the, the post that. office. So mm-hmm. um another friend, Rochelle of Rail and Honey, she does the penance. Mm-hmm. Um, I wear I use her bag all the time. I also use black market vintages. Um, I don't wear a ton of t-shirt. Well, right now I have a Sunra Orchestra t-shirt on, but um, um, but I do love Philiprint. They are based in Philly and they do screen printed um t-shirts and tops. Mm-hmm. Um but for clothing, I don't really 
do, I mean, I, I do, I have so much vintage clothing too. I can't think of any, any, and, or I'll do, I'll just do vintage. Yeah. I'll just do vintage. I can't think of anybody off the top, top, top of my head, but if you go to my stories, I have people um, that I you I have I have a whole thing, especially from last year that I posted of makers, black owned makers and um, uh, designers that I have shopped. I mean, I have a I forgot his name. Oh my goodness, I bought knives, like handmade uh, knives from wow. a black maker. Um, pottery osa i know this isn't making but uh pottery by osa uh osa is based in florida um her she made an urn that i had my dad's cremains in i'm um, just looking around um i'm more of an art collector so i could i could say that uh like the art that i have more so than clothing but um yeah zuzu um yeah ogechi oh just um uh i don't have i don't have any of her hats but i love them i had to try them on in person um uh, ashaka gibbons who's been around forever uh she does hats now she was a she's still a costume designer um yeah yeah there's so many people nice and i know we're running out of time here and yes, i'm gonna wrap this up. <laughs> so just lastly tell me what you have in the works right now as far as jewelry or any new collections that you have for lingua nigra um, I will be making, um, larger pieces. I keep on saying this. I made a really, I have like containers for the home. I'm making, I made a little tiny, much bigger, like a bigger one. And then I want to make, uh, um, wall, more wall art things. Uh, I used to make necklaces that were, you could just hang them. I still have them on the wall, but I just want things exclusively for the wall. Wherever you live, you could live in a tiny space and just have one piece or have 15 pieces and move them around however you like. So that is definitely in the works. I'm very excited to start on that because I am making time to create that. Um, and just um, altar pieces and yeah, just more, th- more things for the home and more even more personal items that you don't have to bring outside, you know, with you as, as, as per jewelry. Yes. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Alicia, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to have you on and let everybody know. Yeah, no problem. Let everybody know where they can find Lingua Nigra and connect with you. Um, You can find me all over the internet on Janet Jackson's internet. Uh, (laughs) You can find me uh, on Instagram, L-I-N-G-U-A-N-I-G-R-A, Lingua Nigra, at Lingua Nigra. You can find me on Etsy, at Lingua Nigra. You can find me on my website, LinguaNigra.com. You can find me on Facebook at LinguaNigra, TikTok at LinguaNigra. I'm I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, for everybody else, I want to thank all of you for tuning in to another episode of vibe selection once again i am your host kyra and if you like to follow me on instagram you can do so at i am at i am kyra mahoney or if you like any vibe selection merch you can get that at www.teespring.com slash vibe selection or if you like to support the vibe selection podcast you can do so at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection once again i'm your host kyra thank you for vibing out with me stay safe stay healthy out there bye Thank you for joining Vibe Selection with Kyra. Come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics. Find us on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection.